Hi, Morning Church. Welcome to our church online. So glad that you can join us in this manner. You know, church, I pray that God will be with you, especially in these times. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult and I pray that uh, God's protection will, will, will be upon your life and also upon your family. You know, every day when we hear of the, uh, the news, things may seem to be discouraging. But we thank God that we have a God who is the lifter of our spirit, the lifter of our soul. So let us continue to set our eyes on Jesus, to look to Him, not to the left, not to the right, but set our eyes on Him because I believe that God has the best in store for us. Amen? Though we are living in a very challenging time, we need to always understand this, that God will never leave us alone. That He will never leave us nor forsake us. That is His promise. Yeah? And I, I pray that, you know, we will continue to, you know, every day to remind ourselves that God is with us. God is with you. Amen? Alright, why not turn to your neighbor who is watching this together with you. Tell that person, God is with you. Amen, amen. We are constantly challenged every day. Am I right? You know, every morning we wake up, we face the challenges, you know, especially in, in the times that we are living in. These challenges will either consecrate us or desecrate us. These challenges has a purpose in our lives. Even the things that are happening around us, God has a purpose. I believe that, you know, it is a time where God is consecrating His people. But if we are not aware of that and if we are not, you know, in tune with the Holy Spirit, with God and His Word, what happened is this, that we will miss what God is doing and at the end of the day, we end up being, we end up desecrating ourselves instead of being, you know, consecrated by God. I've heard many people have been shaken in their faith in God and also their belief of God. You know, this should not come as a surprise to see people turning their backs on God because many worship Him not because of who He is, but worship Him because of the benefits that they can get from Him. But we have to be extra vigilant. We have to be extra careful not to lose sight of who God is in the times that we are living in. It's very easy to look at His benefits. You know, some people will say, how come, you know, God allowed me to go through this? How come, you know, my, my income has been affected? How come my health has been affected? How come, you know, things, this doesn't go the way that I want it to? The moment we shift our eyes away from who God is and begin to look at all these benefits, then what happened is this, that we will risk being desecrated instead of being consecrated. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 to 13, Paul warns us, if you think that you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different what others experience. So please don't think that what you are going through is greater than what other people is going through. The fact is this, all of us will have our challenges. All of us will have the burdens that we carry. But the thing is this, that we need to always understand that God is God. We need to look to Him and we need to set our eyes on Him and Him alone. Like what I said earlier, the challenges are very real. But the choice is whether are we going to be consecrated or are we going to let all these challenges desecrate us. I want to say this, the closer we draw to God, we find that life in the flesh becomes narrower and narrower. Isn't that right? When you are drawing closer to God, 
the things in the flesh will become, you know, even a greater challenge for us. It doesn't get any easier. It takes more to stay on course. It takes more to stay in the direction that God has for us. So there are decisions that we need to make that limits our desires. That is the truth of the matter. The more spiritual we grow, it doesn't mean that we, we're going to have what we want. A lot of people misquote what the Bible says that if you obey the Lord, God will grant you the desires. If you delight yourself in the Lord, Lord, the Lord will, you know, God will grant you the desires of your heart. And many people think that, you know, at the end of the day, we will get what we want. But I tell you what, friends, the more we delight in God, we will realize the more of our desires become more of Him, for Him, than for the things of our flesh. Friends, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says, Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. So if we were to be able to piece this together, we need to understand, we will come to a place to understand that grace is not a license to live a life of ignorance and sin. The last days is going to become worse. Matthew 24 verse 12 says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Friends, the love of many will grow cold. I'm going to say this again. The love of many will grow cold. Why is there coldness? There's no... It's cold because there is no fire. Everybody said no fire. It can happen to you and I. These are not just, you know, those that are who are, who are, who are, you know, not so spiritual. But I tell you what, it can happen to you and I because of the challenges that we're going to face. Our faith in God is not a retirement package. Why am I saying this? Because this is where people get it wrong that when they draw closer to God or when they grow older, they think that life is going to get easier and easier. It's not going to happen that way. Let's face it, the world is not going to get any better. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to be better than what we think that it was. And also we have a common enemy called the devil. He will not leave us alone to cruise through our life. Challenges is either going to consecrate us or going to desecrate us. But the good news is this, you and I can keep the fire burning. We need the fire of God in our lives. You know, in these next couple of weeks, you know, the time when I, I'm going to preach, I'm going to bring us through the five mountains, the five mountain peaks that are important in our lives. And this morning, I'm going to start off by taking the first mountain, the mountain of decision. Everybody say mountain of decision. What we decide today is going to affect our tomorrow. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 to 24, this is 
you know, a very, uh, I think all of us know this, this passage by heart. It's Elijah at Mount Carmel. Elijah's victory at Mount Carmel. But we're going to look through this again. I just want to be able to bring out some truth so that we, you know, we can learn, you know, what, what, you know, the Bible is telling us here, what we can learn from this, all right? So let's start from verse 17. And it says this, Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, uh, the 400, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Here, when Elijah was approaching Ahab, Ahab from afar said, you troubler of Israel. But Elijah was not the one that troubled Israel because he was a man of God. The one who troubled Israel was Ahab and his family. This tells us that a lot of times we tend to push the responsibility to other people. We push our mistake to other people. The fact is this, the position of leadership, whether you are you know, the, the, the head of your house, you are a father, you are a mother, you are, you know, you are in a place of position in your workplace, in wherever that you are. I tell you what, you will set the direction of all those that are around you. Just like how Ahab have forsaken his leadership, the spiritual leadership for Israel, and that has led the whole entire nation of Israel to depravity. And before, because of that, you know, God brought a, a famine onto the land for three and a half years. Yeah, so I, I, I want to say this, friends. You who are listening to this, every one of us have the capacity, the capability to lead. And we must set a good example to point people to God because lives are at stake. Not just your life, but the lives of those around you. So Mount Carmel, all right, let's continue on, all right. So in verse 20, so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut in pieces, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So Mount Carmel was a mountain of decision. You know, a lot of people, you know, will call this, you know, the showdown at Mount Carmel. Actually, there's not really a showdown because when you are against God, you can't win. Am I right? So, but it was meant for the people to make up their minds, to make up 
you know, to make their decisions who they will follow. The problem is that when people, they live in a place of indecision. That's what happened. The people were wavering between two opinions. People often think that the place of indecision, there is safety. <laughs> but I can tell you what, if you cross the road, you better cross the road or you don't. Don't stay in the middle of the road. It will get you killed. Am I right? Staying in the middle of the road will eventually get you killed. The Malaysian power of the hand does not apply here. Don't think that you just lift up your hand. You know, the traffic will stop for you. Friends, remember the warning that God gave in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16 concerning the church of Laodicea. Lukewarmness will get you expelled because you are lukewarm, the middle. I will spit you out of my mouth. You are either hot or you are cold. Don't be lukewarm. So what decision you need to make today that will cause you to draw closer to God? You, only you yourself know. The children of Israel, they were playing a dangerous game of loyalty. Friends, you can't sign two statutory declarations for both sides. You can't have two SDs. You can only choose one. That was why the gathering at Mount Carmel need to take place. Need to take place. Because God says, enough is enough. God doesn't want us to waver because God isn't one that wavers concerning us. God wanted the people to decide. Only with a decision can the fire of God come. Only with a decision that the fire of God comes. So what are those decisions that you need to make this morning? Friends, it's either going to consecrate you or going to desecrate you. I tell you why there is no fire. Number one, there is no fire because there is no heart. The people cared less about God. In a time of famine, they were just thinking of themselves. Probably for them, whoever that can give them what they wanted, that whoever will be God. Isn't this similar in our day? Isn't it similar today in our lifetime? When our hearts are, have no place for God, what fire are we talking about? If we constantly look only at the benefits of following God, then we are not really truly following God. So I want to encourage us in such a difficult time, let us not just look at what we can get out of it or what we can get from God. Maybe you're watching this and you're, you, have a, you, you have a need in your life and somehow you know, it has not been answered or it has not been provided for you in that manner. And maybe you're losing heart. But I tell you what, friends, losing heart is not the way to go. But your heart, need to be 
more directed towards God. If there's no heart for God, then the fire of God has no importance. The condition of our hearts is important for the fire of God to fall on us, to fill us. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Passion Translation says this, So above all, guard, your affect- guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Wow. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. You know, I was reading this. We need to guard the affections of our heart because this will affect the very person that we are. Friends, only we ourselves know the condition of our hearts. People may have the appearance, but God says that He doesn't look at all the outward appearance, but He looks right into the heart. So if this morning, if God looks into your heart, what will He find? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. Passion translation says it, Behold, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice, and you open the door within, I will come in and feast with you, and you will feast with me. So God is constantly knocking at the doors of our hearts. Are we going to be open to Him? In your situation, in what you are going through, are you gonna, is your heart going to be open to Him? Or is your heart just going to be so only close to what you want instead of what God has intended for you? Friends, only you can answer that. There is no fire when there is no heart. The fire of God doesn't just simply come. The fire of God comes with a purpose. It's very directed. If there's no heart, there's no fire. Secondly, there's no fire because there's no altar. The altar is a place of encounter with God. Altars have a price. When we talk about the altars of our lives, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a physical altar? No. The altar that God is talking about is the altering of our lives in order for us to approach the altar. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24 says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go to be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice. Friends, this is where we have to get it right. Your altar is your life. You know, we have been talking about one another in the previous three sermons. Basically, we all of us need to make way for transformation. God doesn't put His fire on us for us to burn others. 
Remember James and John? When they saw the people were, 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 you know, were, were performing some miracles and, and preaching, they turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, shall, shall we call down fire from heaven, you know, and, and burn them? Jesus said, no. The thing is this, how we relate to each other is crucial. So the author of your lives is who you are. It's not going to be the beautiful things that you're going to build externally. It's who you are internally. But the amazing thing is this, if we look at this, if you read on, Elijah began to build, rebuild back the altar. And the altar is built by putting the pieces of rocks together. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be all the same sizes or shapes. In fact, Elijah went around and picked up the different sizes and, and rock, uh, different sizes and shapes so that he can build the altar for the sacrifice to be on it. Some have rough edges, some smooth, some bigger, some smaller. The key is putting all this together. Friends, the altar of our lives, the pieces that forms the altar doesn't have to all be the same sizes. Doesn't have to be all the same shapes. It can be the good, the bad, the laughters, the tears, the joys and the pain. What I'm trying to say is this, those pieces doesn't have to be perfect. But those pieces, piece by piece, it forms the altar of our lives. So your joy, your pain, your laughter, your tears, the good that has happened to you, the bad that has happened to you, all these things, we piece it together to form the altar. We don't have to be perfect to build the altar. So you and I, when God looks at us, He's not looking at us to find a perfect person. I'm sure Elijah, when he was picking up those rocks and putting together, man, going, what was going through is his mind is that, you know, I'm, I'm so alone in doing this. It's tiring, it's tough. You know, to build an altar, to put a bull on it, you know how big is a bull? The bull is as big as your car. Alright, for some of you who drive a slightly smaller car, you, you understand what I'm saying, alright? But to be able to sustain it's not easy. I'm sure, you know, he's, he's, he's tired. I'm sure, you know, that he, you know, he's exhausted. The heat of the day it was tough. But you see, it's those, those things that helps to piece everything together. So turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, you don't have to be perfect. Amen. So God is not really looking for a perfect altar, but He's looking for people with all these broken pieces to put it together. So your pain can be a piece of the altar. Your joy can be a piece of the altar. Amen. So that's the beauty of the altar of our lives. But the altar, 
needs a sacrifice. That leads me to the third point. There's no fire because there is no sacrifice. Alright, firstly, there's no fire because there's no heart. That's why the, the, the altar of God was, 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 you know, was broken down. It was shattered in pieces because the people just have no heart for it. But then there's no fire because there's no altar. It needs someone to piece it together. And that person is you. But then there's no fire because there's no sacrifice. The altar cannot be empty. Convenience, comfort, consensus are never God's way of doing things. Putting the altar together is not easy. But what is even more difficult is to cut the bull in pieces. Elijah had to cut the bull in pieces. I don't think the bull was so obedient and look at Elijah, please cut me in pieces. When animals knows that they're going to be slaughtered, they will put up a struggle. But Elijah had to do it. It was, I tell you what, when we read this, we always imagine it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be so clean. You know, it's almost like the knife that, that Elijah used is going to be like a laser knife or, or like saber in, in Star Wars. You cut, there's no blood. I tell you what, it was a very bloody situation that Elijah was in. He had to cut the bull in pieces. But the thing is, It has to be the whole bull. Even though it's being cut into pieces, the whole bull must be on the altar. It can't be partial. Friends, though the altar may not be perfect, the sacrifice must be perfect. And the greatest sacrifice are not things. But what God is looking for is that perfect obedience. It's not the perfect things that we can give to God, but it's the perfect obedience. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings, sacrifices, or your obedience to His voice? Listen! Obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of fat rams. So our obedience cannot be, it cannot be partial. Our submission cannot be partial. It must be perfect. That sacrifice on the altar must be perfect. Our obedience to God, our submission to God must be perfect. It cannot be in one part and the other part is missing from the altar. So that's why you and I, this morning, God, what decision, you know, are you going to make for God? If it leads to obedience and, and submission to God, I can tell you this, that sacrifice is going to be pleasing to God. But it's only going to be partial. Then no matter how beautiful the altar may be, there will still be no fire. Sometimes we wonder why there's no fire in our lives. It's because our obedience and our submission 
is questionable. God knows it. I want to encourage us. Come on. If you have not, you know, remembered anything that I say up to this point, remember this. Your obedience and your submission to God is vital for the fire of God to come. Then the last point, there is no fire because there is no desperation. Are we desperate enough for God to pour out His fire? Remember, the people of Israel, they were careless about what, you know, they, they just don't care about who God is, even though God has shown Himself time and time again to these people. So when we are casual about the fire of God in our lives, there can be no fire. How many of us actually wake up in the morning and think about our future in God, our spiritual life in God? We can plan so much for our physical life. But are we investing in our spiritual life? I don't think it's a lack of faith when we begin to sit down and think that will I get through to the end of it all with all the challenges that I'm going through right now with all this that I'm going through will I still stand at the end that's a question that we need to continuously ask ourselves because if we're going to care less about it and we just think that oh just let whatever happens happens then we risk having our heart growing cold. We risk not having the fire of God in our lives. How many of you have heard this before or even some of you have said this before? Oh, I went to that camp. Oh, and I caught the fire. Oh, that conference. Wow, man, it was so exciting. You know, it was so, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just so pumped up. I'm just filled with the fire of God. But I need to realize after a few weeks, the fire just go away. Friends, God's fire doesn't work off hype and excitement. The prophets of Baal, they were dancing, they were shouting, they were cutting themselves. But there's no fire. So the problem is this, when we are dependent on the external things for the fire of God, that's where we're going to get it all wrong. The theatrics doesn't impress God. But I want to say this. Before Mount Carmel, Elijah was at a place called Sherith where he was fed by ravens. God told him to go to the brook of Sherith and stay there. No one is going to provide for him. It's not going to be a storehouse of, of food. But God told him, I will send the ravens to feed you. Is it a very luxurious and comfortable place? No. And then from there, God told him, go to Zarephath. And you'll be taken care by a poor widow. It's one thing 
to be taken care by a widow is quite another to be taken care by a poor widow. You can be taken care by a rich widow. That makes a whole difference. Am I right? But God sent Elijah to a poor widow who was, you know, preparing her, her last meal, if I'm not mistaken. There's nothing. She was saying that, you know, this, this is, 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 is probably the, the last meal that we, I'm going to have with my son. And after that, we're just going to wait. And die. What I'm trying to say is this. Mountain experiences doesn't start on mountains. It starts in the valleys. Friends, is there a desperation? It's those valleys that teach us to be desperate. It's not the mountains. It is a posture of our prayers that connects the fire and the altar. Without prayer, there's no fire. Our desperation is reflected in our prayer. And prayer ought to be a habit, not happenings. See, I, I often, you know, think about this when people, they, they are so excited about events that's happening. They do countdown well, five more days to this camp, five more days to that conference. But how many of us countdown, do a countdown on our prayer time with God every day? Are you as excited for your personal time with God as much as you are excited for a conference or for a camp? If we keep on just building on all these external things, I'm afraid that we're going to lose that fire. In fact, there's not going to be any fire. And we think that that moment of fire through these camps and conferences is going to be it. It's not going to be. It's that daily personal time, that daily prayer, that desperation, it can only come through prayer. So I'm going to leave this with you. Remember, there's no fire because there's no heart. There's no fire because there's no altar. There's no fire because there's no sacrifice. There's no fire because there's no desperation. But what are we going to decide this morning? The fire of God makes a distinction. It changes things. It sets things right. It demands a decision. We look at Mount Carmel. What is your decision today? Maybe some of you, you are frustrated. You are disappointed. Because this whole thing doesn't seem to, to have an end. What you are going through, doesn't seem to have an answer. I want to encourage you, what decision you make today is going to 
have a huge impact on your tomorrow. That fire in our lives cannot be missing. So there must be the heart. Maybe some of us, we are just so busy just to survive. There's not much of a place for God in our hearts. Some of us, the altars of our lives are broken down. But then we find it difficult to piece it together because of certain hurts, certain pain. And we think that the altar must be built with all the laughters, the joys and everything. But no, God is saying to you, even your pain makes up a piece of the altar in your life. Your altar is your life. But it takes us to take piece by piece and build the altar. There's no fire because there's no sacrifice. It's our obedience, our submission above reproach. Do we choose to submit to God do we choose to obey God at all costs? Friends, I can tell you this, the latter days is going to be even more challenging. Our obedience, our submissions to God will be challenged in every way possible. But let's make the proper decision so that our submission and obedience to God will never be questionable. And lastly, there's no fire because there's no desperation. I can't stress this enough. Our prayer life is so crucial for the fire of God to keep burning in our lives. Are we desperate enough in our personal time, our personal time with God, personal time of prayer with God, so that fire keep on burning. Friends, don't underestimate the power of your prayer, your time with God. Amen. So just please don't look out for camps or conferences or, or, or seminars. I'm not saying those things are bad, but if we are dependent on those, those things for a fire of God in our lives, I think we are making the biggest mistake. Those things may add wood to the fire that's already been burning. Yeah? So I want to encourage us. Come on. Let that be hard. Let that be, you know, an altar. Let that be sacrifice. Let that be desperation. Amen? So what decision are you going to make? Today, you may be just like the children of Israel, faltering between two decisions, wavering. But make the right choice. Make the right decision to be on God's side. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes wherever that we're seated, wherever that you're watching this. Come on. Let's reach out to God. Hallelujah.
Holy Spirit, we pray that this morning you think the word that we have heard and let it be a conviction in our hearts. Right. Lord, we are not responding to a good message. We are not responding to the eloquence of men. We want to respond to you, the Spirit of Life. Lord, we pray, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Lord, for every one of us who have heard this message, Lord, we pray that we will make a decision to follow you, a decision Amen. that will always have the fire of God Amen. upon our lives. Yes, that our hearts, our lives, our obedience, our prayer, Hallelujah. Lord, will draw the fire of God continuously upon our lives. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that no matter what we go through, especially for those who have so many pieces of hurts and pain. Lord, we thank you that you will not despise all these things. Yes, Lord. We have said a broken heart and a contrite spirit you will not despise. Yes, Lord. Lord, thank you that all these things can also make up the altar of our lives. Yes. And we want to lay it all down before you. Amen. Pray that the fire of God come upon us Hallelujah. upon our hearts that we will not grow cold even in the last days yeah. Amen. Lord we thank you we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus and now may the love of the Father the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us in Jesus name we pray and everyone say Amen Amen Amen, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah God bless you. Pray that, you know, this message is going to bless your heart. But above everything, let's make a decision to follow Jesus. A decision right. that will draw the fire of God upon our lives. So we're going to go through. We have these five mountain peaks of our lives. So we have Ooh. down one. So there's four more to go. I know it's going to be a long series. But I, I pray that it's going to be a blessing to you and I. Amen. Man. So God bless you and we see you guys again, alright? God bless and stay safe. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.